1: Welcome to I Took the High Road with Jacob Jansen. Our program is designed to educate about the drug problems that are reaching epidemic proportions in the United States. Could we be approaching the drug problem the wrong way? Mr. Jansen has been down the road of addiction, down the path of recovery, and now helps others find their path. Addicts are not bad people trying to get good. They're sick people needing to get well. Are you a part of the solution or the problem? Come and join us for an hour of fantastic guests, amazing stories, positive encouragement, and information that just might make your community a better place. Now, here is your host, Jacob Jensen.
2: Hello and welcome to the show. You are listening to I Took the High Road and I am your host, Jacob Jansen. Today we are, have another great show for you. It's making a documentary on opiate addiction with award-winning producer and director Molly Herman. And we also have another special guest uh, that I'm going to introduce a little bit later. Um, before I get into the show, I just want to say Happy New Year to everybody. Um, it's been a great year for me and one of the things that I always have to do is look back on the year and remember what I'm grateful for. Um, and look at some of the big changes that have happened in my life. And certainly one of the biggest was uh, I became a web radio talk show host, and this is my 16th show. I am very much enjoyed doing it. Um, the other, some of the other things that I've done, uh, I've joined up with stop Her in Wisconsin and since I became an administrator on their page, we added about 4,000 more members to it, We're at about 10,600 now. Um, I've also done a lot more public speaking this year, um, going from treatment facilities now out to public high schools and being able to get my message out there. Um, I also uh, was nominated to the Board of Directors for Recovery Coaches International this year. Uh, that's the National rec- Credentialing Agency for Recovery Coaches. And uh, one of the things that I'm most proud of, and uh, one of the most difficult things uh, that I did this year was I was able to get out of the judicial system and get off probation this last February, um, and that's really helped me, um, my career blossom as an interventionist and a recovery coach. So enough about me. I want to get to the show. Uh, today's show is making a documentary on opiate addiction with award-winning producer and director Molly Herman. The... the uh, Documentary is called Written Off The Short, Sad, Beautiful Life of Matt Edwards. Uh, Molly Herman is a producer, director, and writer with a deep interest in the human experience and documentary storytelling. Over the past 15 years, Molly has produced award winning work for PBS, National Geographic Channel, Discovery Channel, Smithsonian Network. Animal Planet, TLC, Discovery Health, Discovery Science, the History Channel, and BBC America. Specializing in science and culture, Molly's storytelling emphasizes the people behind the accomplishments. Her work has taken her quite literally to all walks of life, from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange to a Casablanca mosque, from Red Rock, Utah canyons, to the favelas of Rio de Janeiro, and searching for birds of paradise in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. And now uh, she is doing her foray into uh, opiate addiction now. So Molly Herman, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
2: So Molly, can you uh, please tell us a little bit more about yourself and more specifically how you decided to do a documentary on drug addiction?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, um, my my producing partner, Rob Lyle, and I started our company, The Biscuit Factory, to, to make documentary films. And we've been doing that for television for eight years um, for the networks you just listed. Um, and, you know, we, we've kind of gotten to the point in our lives where we really want to do something on our own, and we want to do something important. And, uh, you know, it sort of sounds naive, but we want to make the world better.
2: Sure. Uh, is, is that why you really got into doing documentaries, this idea to make the, the world a better place, pass out information? What was your passion behind that?
0: Well, you know, I came from a theater background originally, and I loved that kind of community in that you, you kind of got around putting on a show, you know? Sure. I thought that that was... The most fun thing, a bunch of creative people working together, um, but ultimately i didn't really you know I really wasn't a theater person i didn't really care about plays i I just really wanted to tell real stories and i've always felt like it's you know there's there's so many more uh uh crazy and fascinating and interesting things that are real than anything that you could make up and um and so i got uh you know I just kind of took those um those producing and uh, uh, putting on a show sort of skills mm-hmm. and, and um, documentary film was, you know, that was kind of the natural step.
2: Yeah, true stories are always seem to be the best, aren't they? You know, the, the, the ones that are based on factual events, true stories.
0: Yeah, right. And, I, and you know, I, I feel like there's so many unsung heroes out there. There's so many interesting things. Um, and, and, you know, really, really trying to use film, which I think is a really emotional um, medium, to, to be able to help people understand and take a look underneath the surface is, is what I really like to do.
2: Sure, and and you certainly start doing that, you know, uh, with with Matt Edwards and kind of going back and doing a documentary on the last few years of his opiate addiction. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found out about Matt and why you chose Matt's story?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I had I had been doing research um, <clears throat> about the opiate crisis. And I had just sort of zeroed in on that as something that I, you know, there's headlines every day and even more since I started this project um, seven mm-hmm. or eight months ago. But I, I, I wanted to tell a story of somebody um, where we could really dig in and, and really try to deconstruct the experience, because I feel like the stories that you read, um, I mean, I'm glad they're out there, but a lot of them are, are kind of this sort of pat news story about somebody who loses everything. Sure. And it, you, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's the, the housewife and the, the two kids and the husband and then, and the, you know, the,
2: she, the web radio she, talk show host.
0: <laughs> right? So. And you know, I mean, that's an awful story and that's a real story, but I don't, I don't know what that does, you know, to move the conversation forward other than maybe making the reader feel lucky that that's not them. Um, and so, you know, I really wanted to be able to understand well. Well, what was going on, you know, for that housewife? Well, what was this compelling ingredient that made her lose everything? And so, I I was just sort of you know hitting the internet and doing a lot of research. I was reading a lot of memoirs and books written by parents, and I found um, I found on a website a sort of memoriam wall of photographs and. Notes about um, people who have uh, been lost to this addiction issue, and one of them was Matt and um, Jane had put it on there I think and and I ended up linking I guess to her blog so and discovered that she had spent publishing his journals or uh, you know a bunch of them not all of them, and that he had left behind he had died and he had left behind this legacy really of the last two years of his life um, in his own words. And, um, you know, he also happened to be a great writer and really expressive person. And to me, that was the perfect way to be able to talk about uh, the experience from the inside of the opiate crisis.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, in my experience as an interventionist, you know, the, the people that get hooked on opiates are some of the most creative, beautiful, talented uh people out there that you know made a certain mistake and it uh, brought them down a very dark path. Um I think this is a really good time to introduce our special guest uh Jane Funk. Jane Funk is Matt Edwards' mother. Matt, uh Jane, thank you for joining us on the show today.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: So, Jane, um, you know, again, sorry for your loss. Um, Can you tell us just a little bit about who Matt Edwards was?
3: Well, it's interesting that you just mentioned that so many addicts that you've known, and possibly yourself, were highly creative, very gifted people. I've Mm -hmm. had that same experience once I started that blog. Mm -hmm. People started to comment. I noticed that one of the threads were that they were very intelligent, very creative, very sensitive people, and Matt Mm -hmm. was one of those. Yes. Yeah, he was a gifted child, um, did really well in school, made lots of friends, was constantly doing things and learning things, and um, what happened was, at age 15, he got a toe infection. Okay. So I, I took him to the doctor, and they had to do a surgery, and then after the surgery, he was in quite a bit of pain, so... The doctor um, gave him Vicodin.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah, and um, that changed everything.
2: Uh, and that's, you know, uh, the, the studies that we do through Stop Heroin Wisconsin, um, it's 97, 98%, if not higher, start with a, a prescription opiate medication before they move on to an illegal drug like heroin.
3: Yeah, on the drive home, uh, he, I mean, he didn't tell me this right away, but uh, I had left for a trip, uh, left the bottle with him and my grandmother, and Um, he continued to take them and they ran out and he didn't really think too much of it but after that that feeling was such euphoria he said he felt like he was touched by God Mm -hmm. he he just kept seeking it out Yeah, yeah Yeah, that well this this is going to really feel good and I really want to feel good
2: Towards the, the end of his usage did you notice anything wrong? Could you see things moving in the wrong direction? Did you have any idea of what was going on?
3: I did, but he he covered so well.
2: He, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> did
3: you, he covered so well. I mean, you could tell he had lines on his face. He looked quite aged. Um, the stories didn't quite match. He had gotten uh, into a situation where he passed out in the park. But when uh, I talked to his probation officer, she said that it was heat stroke. Um, later on, of course, I get the doctor's report, and it says, that he was, you know, an IV drug user and Mm -hmm. et cetera. But um, I knew something was up, but he held it together so well.
2: And I think that's really common for a lot of addicts that, you know, we try to hold things together as best as we could. And in our minds, we're doing a fantastic job and we think everything is uh, kosher. But really, uh, people notice something that there's wrong. Things are happening around us. Uh, our lives are slowly uh, being destroyed as we use the substance that we think is really helping us when uh, really it's only delaying the inevitable. It's, it's uh, not taking care of the issues at hand. And it, and it really, doesn't help anyone it, it just makes things worse it doesn't fix anything
3: i think matthew's problem was that he felt he couldn't tell anybody yeah yeah he really didn't and and i can see that from his journals that people uh, looked down on him uh he constantly was afraid of getting in trouble and was threatened with getting in trouble
2: sure yeah you know what and- what i'm uh, the, 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 I have more repercussions, more nightmares from my nine months of being incarcerated uh, than I do my whole nine years of using. Uh, making things more difficult for me did not make things better for me. Um, it, it was uh, the, the judicial system that I had to go through was, was definitely punishment. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that are fearful to actually go out and get treatment or help because of those uh, fears of punishment. Mm-hmm. Or the the misunderstanding of that treatment does really help, it isn't punishment.
3: Mm-hmm. And then just the complete removal of his freedom, his his autonomy would have been gone. He signing himself up for, you know, being locked up, basically.
2: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really scary to, you know, admit that you have a mental health issue, especially when a lot of the general public views it as a moral failing, uh, you know, in, in a, a criminal behavior type of mm-hmm. thing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jane, what, what do you have to say out there to any parents who may be struggling uh, with a child who's going through an opiate addiction?
3: Well, um, there are so very many, and their stories are so varied that it's hard to give one blanket kind of sure. piece of advice. But I would say, overall, what addicts need that they don't get is understanding,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and, and they, they don't receive love. Uh, I, I myself lectured and angry and frustrated. Of course, in the face of lies and these ridiculous stories they tell you, you become extremely um, frustrated and angry. But that just makes it all the worse and all the harder to get them to trust you and and to have them open up and really explain what's going on, so that you can together work. Um, you know,
2: I so I, I think. Sorry, I think those are are absolutely perfect. Uh, understanding education, try and. Uh, not only have the addict get educated, but the whole family get educated. And and you spoke to that uh, when you said love that you needed to love and not lecture. And about two weeks ago, I did a really great show uh, with Family Recovery Resources. They do a workshop called "Be a Loving Mirror for Families," um, and it really helps families learn how to support and not enable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so uh, Jane, do you have any you know final message that that uh, you want to say?
3: Um, my, my, I guess I would just like more people to be aware that so many people of every walk, of every ethnic group, of every neighborhood are dying. Huge amounts of people are dying, and, and uh, I think as a nation, a, as a people, we need to come together and look for a different solution to this besides, like you said, jail and and. Um, and looking at these people as criminals. Not that many people in our society are criminals enough that they're willing to die. And I think yep. we need to, to re-look at this whole situation.
2: I, I completely agree. I have never met um, anybody in their life that said, you know what, I want to grow up and be a heroin addict. I want to steal from my family. I want to lie and cheat. And I want to look over my shoulder constantly about the police and possibly facing jail time. No no one wants that life. It, it happens very insidiously, very slowly. Um, it pulls you in. And before you realize it, you know, you can be stuck in that addiction. Um, and the stigmas that society creates makes it very, very difficult to break that, uh, that cycle. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So,
2: so thank you, Jane. Thank you very much for, for being here. And we're going to keep you on the line uh, just in case I have any other questions a little bit later. So uh, Molly, I, I want to get back to you real quick. We have a couple minutes before we got to take our first break. So can you tell us a little bit what is, you know, written off the short, sad Beautiful Life of Matt Edwards about, and how is this story told? We touched on it a little bit, but...
0: Yeah, sure. Well, um, well, Matt leaves behind these journals that talk about his perspective, you know, and his um, frustrations and his, um, you know, kind of constant um, efforts to get clean. He would go on these, he called them runs of... Uh, sober days. And he, you know, would say, I feel myself getting stronger. I think I can do it. And then, you know, he would just have this crushing defeat over and over again, where he would end up using. And, um, he, you know, that was a huge surprise to me, like that, that, the, that addiction isn't, I mean, this sounds just silly now, but when I first was looking into this, I I was just surprised that uh, a person who's addicted to drugs wasn't having more fun. You know, it was just (laughs) a torture for him. The
2: party stops a long, long time ago with opiate addiction.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, what you get from these journals is this real sense that he's just trying to like maintain and survive. And He's really worried every day that he's not gonna be able to get enough opiates to not get sick and go into withdrawal. And mm-hmm. you know, Jane has a horrific story about him visiting home and um uh you know, going through withdrawal and vomiting everywhere and, mm-hmm. and just this, you know, your your body just is turning itself inside out. It's so sick. Um
2: Well, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and And, I mean, these are just things that, like, regular people who aren't educated about this, they just don't know. They don't understand. And, um, you know, but the film is told through his stories, through his journals, but also through the perspective of the people who were there. And it's very interesting because Jane is obviously in the film. His um, his, sort of the love of his life, who is a Polish woman named Paula. Um, his best friend, his name is Rose, uh, and everybody knew different sort of amounts of what was going on. Um, you know, Jane sort of knew what you would tell your mom, and Paula uh, was probably maybe the most lied to because Matt was always trying to connect with her and be romantic with her and it, make her and love I- him.
2: I got to ask you to hold that thought for just a second. We got to take a quick commercial break. Uh, But when we come back, we're going to have more with Molly Herman and making a documentary on opiate addiction.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of my recovery project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this providing options and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse.
4: My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroine WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health &
1: Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's one 866 472 5792 Or send us an email at Jacob Jansen at ITookTheHighroad.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Hello and welcome back. You are listening to I Took the High Road, and I am your host, Jacob Jansen. Today's show is making a documentary on opiate addiction uh, with award-winning producer and director Molly Herman. And right before we went to the commercial break, we were talking a little bit about how uh, written off the short, sad, beautiful life of Matt Edwards is told. So Molly, welcome back. and Can can, can you continue on that thought, please, of uh, how the story is told?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I was talking about how it's, it's a combination of Matt's own writing in his journals and the perspectives of the people in his life that, were, uh, that were experiencing, they were experiencing what was going on with him, but all of them have really different perspectives because they knew sort of different amounts of the truth. And, um, and exploring that and sort of teasing out what the truth was is, um, it's really like unraveling something, um, that's, that's, it's a fascinating process because,
2: I was going to say, it's interesting that you call it a fascinating process. It's very much what I do as an interventionist is bring the family together, the friends, the coworkers, and everybody shares pieces of what they know and everybody gets on the same page and we initiate a change and offer a gift of treatment before, you know, something tragic happens.
0: Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, this is happening too late to help Matt, but I think it it does help. um, I think it will help. A wider audience understand how addiction functions. That, you know, Matt, uh, was a great actor and a funny storyteller. And, um, his friend told us in an interview that he had this amazing ability to make you believe something that was obviously false. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, and he, he lied a lot, you know, because he had this, you know, unbelievable, Awful disease, the drama of this disease, perking just below the surface, but he wasn't telling people about it. You know, he wouldn't have gotten any sympathy for it. It wasn't well understood, and um, and so he told just this incredible, colorful assortment of lies, um, and and made people believe them or believe them long enough to, to mm-hmm. have relationships with him, and and so after his death and. Um, kind of figuring out what was really going on, kind of looking back and recasting um, uh, all of those stories um, with this new knowledge of what he was really doing, I think was really deflating for the people that loved him and uh, really made them wonder whether it was all a lie. You know, we value, we value honesty and truthfulness and reliability. Sure. We value these things, and, and none of these things kind of mesh with addiction.
2: No, they don't, especially towards the end. Uh, You know, it's very insidious. It pulls you in and uh, slowly you get caught in your own web of lies. Uh, You you talked about, you know, the audience and you wanted to get to a broader audience. What is the target audience for this documentary and what message are you trying to get across in it? Are there multiple messages? Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, our... our our uh, goal is a wide audience is you know uh, and this is a, this is an American issue in the sense that um, the crisis is really just a rampant, awful thing in this country so mm. it's an American audience, I think primarily, but um, th- right now I feel like there's a real stark kind of divide between people who know about this because they've been touched by it and touched by the tragedy of it and then people who don't know about it mm. and who don't think about it, um, in an accurate way. You know, they think of, uh, heroin addicts as, uh, you know, the, the sort of stereotypical junkie. Sure. The addict um,
2: under the bridge.
0: Right. Yeah. Sort of Mm -hmm. eating from the trash can. And, Mm -hmm. um, these are, uh, these are nice kids. I don't know how, how else to say it. You know, Matt was a, was a good kid from a nice family. He lived in a
2: that Cam- yeah, was a scholar athlete in in high school
0: right exactly and that's that's pretty typical you know he had multiple generations of his family right there. he comes from an educated family, a religious mm-hmm. family you know um and and it doesn't matter because it's it's just something that'll little hook you and it it's not about where you come from and and I think that that um you know i I just sort of feel like that that resonates with people and it's so scary.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we talk about the groups of people who know about it and those that don't know about it, I think um, the group that doesn't know about it is slowly diminishing. It's becoming less and less. It's becoming uh, a topic that's so talked about, so, you know, being made aware of in the United States. Uh, But that other group, well, they know about it, there still is quite a huge ignorance, you know, about it, you know, as we talked about in the show.
0: Yeah, That's and I is. think, you know, um, I don't know, when I first started researching this, it occurred to me that it was kind of like uh, the, the AIDS epidemic, that when, mm. you know, think back to like, think way back to the, the movie Philadelphia, you know, that, that early time where people were uh, blamed for mm. uh, being HIV positive, that it was attributed to their own risky behavior, and they were either, uh, you know, gay men, IV drug users. They'd they'd done something, and Mm -hmm. this was sort of their, you know, it was unspoken, but this was their punishment. And that, uh, the way that we talked, people talked about that then, that is so in the past now, right? Nobody Mm -hmm. ever uh, would ever even think of, you know, sort of considering someone's behavior,
2: and you bring up the, the AIDS epidemic. I don't know if you're aware, but uh, just about as many people per day are dying in the United States right now as they were from AIDS during the height of the AIDS epidemic. We're losing about 110 people a day to opiate addiction in the United States. So,
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a um, powerful comparison. And yeah. the only reason, you know, I, I, I think that the stigma of both of those issues um, has has held back kind of the correct thinking on them, but because this because opiate uh, addiction isn't one group, you know that can that can speak with a powerful voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's sort of a little behind the trend in terms of trying to trying to address it, and and I think that this film, you know, I hope that it will go out there and it will capture people's imaginations and it will you know really sort of demystify and de-stigma- destigmatize how this operates
2: what surprised you about doing a documentary on opiate addiction uh
0: well i guess i would say that um you know you don't you don't go into somebody's home and um uh, like people don't like to talk about bad news and people don't like to talk about, um, I mean, I've told many people what I'm doing and they, they literally will make like a face, you know, like, oh, like that's a, oh, that's dark. That's rough. <laughs> you know, people just have an aversion. They don't want to talk about death. They don't want to talk about bad news. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I've just discovered that. I've never tried to talk yeah. about Bad news before.
2: And, oh, and we all um, we all know political uh, politics and religion taboo off you know off topic, but drug addiction rarely gets talked about. So
0: yeah, it really is, and I I guess I've I've been a little surprised by that, and then I've also just been surprised at not really surprised, but kind of astounded at the bravery of people in Matt's family for their willingness to share and talk about this, and um, uh, you know, and and. I hope that this project sort of extends his life in a way. I hope that it makes his life, um, which was cut so short, bigger and more meaningful and that we're able to do with it some of the things that he wasn't around to do.
2: Sure. You know, and and sometimes through that tragedy comes um, some, you know, positive things. I know that, you know, Stop Heroin Wisconsin, founded by Linda Lenz, she lost a son to opiate addiction two years ago. Um, Now she's making something of it and, and really helping a lot of people through that tragedy, very much like, you know, you and Jane are doing with Matt's story. What have you learned while shooting this documentary on addiction, I know you talked about that you weren't ready to hear uh, people's reactions, or that some of those surprised you. But what, what have you really learned while shooting this documentary?
0: Well, I think I've learned that um, the the that the words that you use are important, um, and that people are so stigmatized. Um, you know, uh, like like recently, someone even sort of said to me, you know, you really shouldn't say uh, addict. Um, addict sounds like uh, a label, sure. and um, I think that's really interesting. And I don't think that's you know, like I did a I did a web big web search for the word junkie, just to sort of see. Huh. So is it used? You know, and and how is it used? And it's used a ton. It's out there, and it and it does kind of gel. You know, uh, an image in your mind in a powerful way. But I think it's exactly the wrong image, um, and uh, that's what i liked about this story because i think this story of this sensitive uh considerate sweet articulate guy he's like the anti junkie junkie in a way um and mm-hmm. i and i think that a lot most of the people all of them probably are are the same you know are yeah. are, are not fitting into the categories that people are are creating for them and um yeah, and so and so, I think that the the words matter, but in a bigger way, the the way you think about it and understand it really matter. So, um, I
2: have a. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I remember in my early recovery that I, uh, you know, during the NA and AA groups, you know, we say, hi, my name is Jake and I'm an addict. Um, I changed that to, you know, hi, my name is Jake and I'm grateful to be in long-term recovery. Uh, You know, and that's kind of how I switched. Instead of labeling it, it's, you know, something that I've chosen to do. So.
0: Yeah, right. I think that's perfect. And uh, I mean, just the understanding of the disease is so in its infancy, in my opinion. I have a personal um, connection to opiate addiction. My um, 15 years ago, my first cousin died of a heroin overdose when she was only 21. I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks. And, and you know we she lived in california she 's my mom 's sister 's daughter and uh, we live back east and so we would just hear these reports about her um you know and they were all kind of like uh, crazy Emily did this you know like yeah. emily 's done this emily 's in jail emily 's done this crazy thing and i don 't know i mean my I come from a medical family like you know you would think that if if there was a group of people who would get this, we would have gotten it, but we didn't get it. And nobody said, oh, she's sick. She hasn't, she is addicted. She has a drug problem. I mean, people did, but it was like, um, mm-hmm. more like a character flaw than a disease. I
2: guess it yeah. was yeah.
0: discussed. Um, and so, you know, I look back and sort of recast that whole drama. Um, and really, you know, I think that it's so sad that, it just wasn't understood. It was just, um, it wasn't thought about the right way. It certainly wasn't spoken yeah. about the right way. And she came from a loving family with a lot of resources who um, who maybe we could have made a difference for her.
2: F- 15 years ago, heroin was not a huge problem in the United States and it certainly had a much bigger stigma attached with it than it does today. That's slowly kind of falling away. Um, through your experience, you know, what do you think we can do to continue reducing this stigma and to, to you know, make sure people get the help they need?
0: Well I mean, I think that um, the, I think that there's a couple of things that I hope that this film does. I hope that, that written off and, and you know we want to I, I should just say that the name of the film has to do with this language idea,, you know, and has to mm-hmm. do with trying to change these perceptions. You know Matt, like a lot of people, were sort of written off. I mean, certainly not by his family who loved him, who tried hard, sure. who tried to understand. But, you know, in society, he—he he was his life was written off. He was just another statistic. And there wasn't a, a mechanism to save him, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sorry, what was your other question?
2: Uh, so what do you think we need to continue doing to reduce the stigma of drug addiction in this country?
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, sorry, there's a couple things I think that this film could do, and I think one of them is just sort of putting parents and communities and and even kids uh, on a sort of different level of alert about the dangers of prescription painkillers and, you know, that a pill someone gives you at a party, um, really, it's just not worth it. You know, I'm not a a not-fun person, but Mm -hmm. I've seen how this specific thing plays out, and uh, it, it's not, it's just not worth it. It's not something you want to mess around with. You know, you're not You're not putting on a blindfold and driving your car. You know, there's, there's a, like a limit <laughs> to, to the sort of bad choices that even, um, you know, young kids who think they're indestructible will do. And, and this is just one of them that every single parent should be talking to their kid about. Um, so I think prevention for sure. Um, and then I think for people who are already uh... trapped in this problem uh... i think if they could feel like they would get sympathy, if they can come around to admitting that they have a problem if they could feel that they could get sympathy for it you know matt told So many lies, but one of them was that he had cancer. And he told everybody at the Walmart he worked at that he had cancer. And he told his girlfriend that he had cancer to explain his medication and his behavior. And, you know, he would go back and visit that Walmart, and everybody would give him a hug and say, How are you feeling? How are you doing? Uh, You know, what's the prognosis? And, I mean, I wasn't there, but I, I'm, I can imagine how that would have felt to him.
2: It's to a dad. lot of difference uh, you know when, when we're talking about uh, cancer, you know rather than a drug addiction. Um, and I want you to hold that thought. We got to take another quick commercial break from our sponsors. But when we come back, um, more on making a documentary on opiate addiction with award-winning producer and director Molly Herman.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, StopHeroinWI, and a website, stopheroinnow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org so no parent ever has to receive that phone call.
2: Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjanssen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Hello and welcome back to the show. You are listening to I Took the High Road and I am your host, Jacob Jansen. Today's show is making a documentary on opiate addiction with award-winning producer and director Molly Herman um, and also uh, Matt Edwards' mom, Jane Funk. Uh, before we left, we were talking uh, about what what the documentary was about. Uh, Molly, this is your first independent feature project why did you select this as the first independent project and were there any benefits for doing it that way
0: well you know i don't i don't know i mean i do a lot of uh television work for big networks and um you know this just felt to me like uh, a project that shouldn't be you know a tv show but should have a wide audience a theatrical audience and um and was was just sort of seemed like a natural choice. Um, and also, I, I, you know, I just wanted this to kind of be as big as it could be, because I think that this issue is, um, you know, to me, just sort of the the leading um kind of American crisis right now it might not be getting as much attention as the aids crisis but i uh, i think it's a i think it's a direct parallel you know it's it's another thing that's come up that's uh uniquely um you know uh american and is is just uh killing so many people that it 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 deserves it's it deserves a big treatment
2: So, you know, and as an independent feature project, you guys are currently raising money for the editing uh, of the documentary. When's the target release date for it? And, And if people wanted to donate to this fund, how could they do that? Where could they get more information?
0: Sure. Well, we have a campaign right now on Kickstarter, which is a crowdfunding site. Um, and so you can you can just go to kickstarter.com and you can search uh, written off and you'll find us. We're in documentaries and um, we're about 60% funded, but I think we only have seven days left. So we could really use, um, we could use help and um, we offer different rewards on there so you can get your own copy of the film as soon as it's finished which will probably be in the summertime um, or other other things that um, that relate to the project and uh, it, it's it's um, it's been uh, you know really a, a great experience trying to get the word out and connect with people who care about this um, so so yeah that's that's it would be it would be awesome if we could get to our goal um, Kickstarter is a an all-or-nothing platform. So mm-hmm. we to keep the $30-some-thousand that we have already raised, we have to get to our target goal, which is $55,000, um, in the next seven days. So, yeah, I definitely urge people who care about this issue to help us get this made.
2: So how can they find it?
0: So go to kickstarter.com and search for Written Off, and um, you'll find us. We're in the documentary uh, film section. Um, but it's a really easy interface. And there's also a lot of um, information up there about the project, about us, my company, The Biscuit Factory, uh, samples of other work that we've done for other shows. So you can see we're serious. You can see we'll do a good job. Um, and two videos. Um, one of them is, is uh, you know, talking about what we're doing with the project, uh, kind of like this radio show, and the other one is an extended trailer from the film, so you can see Jane and um, her world and hear uh, a little bit more about Matt's story. And it, you know, basically, we've we've already shot it. We we funded that ourselves, so we spent the summer um, in Wisconsin. Um, filming this and, um, we have a little more shooting to do, but we're starting our edit soon. So we have to figure out a, a way to pay for it.
2: What, what are your hopes for this documentary? I,
0: I mean, I hope that this is a film that will, um, that will go a long way. I hope this is a film that everybody will have heard of. Um, and that it will be sort of the marquee piece that will change the way that people think about this issue.
2: Sure. And, you know, as a director, producer, writer, you have the power to influence a lot of people. What changes do you hope are made because of this documentary? In other words, what changes do we need to make in society in order to help solve that current opiate epidemic?
0: I hope that parents like Jane aren't ever made to feel ashamed about a tragedy in their life. Um, You know, I don't think that it's okay to, to judge people Um, who have this awful thing happen to them, and I just can't even think of another example of, uh, you know, any kind of parallel that's treated like this is. You know, there are so many parents in this country who have lost a child or who are in this awful purgatory of uh, having a child who uh, is involved in addiction or in and out of recovery. You know, those people are scared to hear the phone ring. They don't know what's going to happen day to day. And it is just, it is just a terrible torture for them. And it's one that they go through without the right amount of support. You know, I mean, I think, think of something else that's, that's, you know, uh, like if you have a, if you have a family member who's deployed, you know, and, and you never know what's going to happen day to day or if they're in danger or if they're safe or if they're going to come home. And everybody, through through great, you know, kind of um, awareness raising, people understand that now. You know, people understand mm-hmm. how that is. People know that if you have somebody on your street who has a, a husband who's deployed or a wife who's de- deployed, you should offer to babysit for those people. You should bring them a casserole. You should understand. And um, you know that that's the, these people who are dealing with addiction. It's the same kind of thing, except for they don't get the sympathy or the understanding. They get subtly blamed for their parenting. They get, uh, uh, you know, they get distanced from other people. And, you know, this is an awful thing, and there's a lot of sort of socio-political components to it. But this isn't a film about Mexican cartels, and this isn't a film about big drug companies. You know, this is a personal story about how this operates – for regular American family. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where I think that it has to start. And I think that that's the conversation that I really want to have.
2: Yeah. You know, and, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, seeing this when it comes out, what do you, do you have a target release date for this documentary? Assuming everything comes together with this Kickstarter campaign?
0: Yeah. So hopefully, if we can finish the film, um, we're gonna we're gonna start editing it um, almost immediately, and we're hoping to finish it um, by the late spring or early summer. And then we're our plan is to do sort of a blitz and try to get it into as many film festivals as we can. So we're gonna get it out there, and you know that's sort of the first step to hopefully getting some uh, you know bigger distribution. <laughs>
2: Matt's story, you know, as we talked about, is, is a tragic one, somebody that didn't make it. And um, I don't know if we mentioned this in the show, but uh, when I was talking with Jane, I got clean in July in 2010, um, and a few months later, uh, Matt Edwards passed away to opiate addiction. So that very much could have been me, um, you know, if I continued down that path. Are there any plans to follow up with a documentary on success stories?
0: Well, I don't have any right now, but I I like that idea, you know, and I like the idea of um of checking in. You know, I, I um I'm always sort of a big fan of films that follow stories over uh, many, many, many years and um uh, I like the idea of checking back in with this issue, you know, in in a in 5 years or 10 years and see, mm-hmm. you know, where have we where have we gone with it, you know? And um and I hope the answer is a long way
2: Yeah, you know, and because there are certainly success stories out there and there's, you know, two ways we can look at this, you know, the prevention, um, you know, and and scare tactics and things like that, but the, the addicts that are currently using Uh, What often works better and what I see when I speak at a lot of treatment facilities is they can attach onto that success to say, wow, there is somebody who's actually made it out of the cycle. Because in order for me to make it out of the cycle, that meant I needed to disconnect from all of the active users that I knew. So all of those active users never got to see the success, never got to see me get out of that cycle. Um, So something that I really needed to do for my own recovery uh, was to go out there and tell other people that people do make it. This, you know, people do have successes. They do sometimes get out of this cycle.
0: Yeah, that's that's really important. That's um, it's great that you're doing that. And I wanted to tell you that I, I'm only calling it written off because you've already taken the best name.
2: <laughs> I took the high road. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate appreciate. It. I've been great. working on that one for a while. The uh, <laughs> the the uh, that's going to be the the title to my book also. Um, do you? Do you have any final message for our listeners? We got about four minutes here until we gotta close.
0: Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, I I found I feel like I found a story that that is really unique and special, and is also really uh, easy to relate to because. Everybody seems to know someone. You know, since I started working on this and talking to people about it and after they finished making the face about how they don't like the bad news of hearing about this, um, you know, people would always tell me, oh, my, a woman at my church or, oh, my sister-in-law's daughter or, you know, people know about this. This is perking along in everybody's life. And, um, you know, I, I want people to be able to uh, be empowered to take what they already know and help everybody out there think about it differently. So, I hope that we can finish getting it made. Um, when we first started to do this, you know, we we felt like we had to find just the right story because practically, you know, people are so, uh, people who know about this are so interested in making a difference. You know, they'll, they, I felt like if I asked someone, they would probably say yes. And so mm-hmm. I couldn't mess around, you know, and, and I found Jane and um, I showed up at her door and she opened the door and I said, oh my gosh, you're so pretty. And um, I, I mean, it, it wasn't like you're casting for a TV show, you know, you, you just find the, the sort of right uh, right ingredients. And she's sure. been so wonderful to work with. And her whole family has been so uh, honest and brave and sharing and, and Matt's friends. And so, you know, I hope that their contribution, you know, which is really bigger than my contribution, um, will will make a difference in this issue.
2: Sure. Addiction uh, lives in the shadows. Recovery demands exposure. The more that we can talk about this issue, the less of the taboo there's going to be. So uh, it's very important that uh, movies and documentaries like this continue to come out um, so it keeps giving people things to talk about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I really recommend that people look at our trailer um, on Kickstarter. Just search written off and um, and you'll get to see Jane um, and, uh, uh, you know, get a real... It's like an eight-minute piece about about Matt's life, and it really shows you what we want the film to, to be like.
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's a, um, a great little intro to the film. Um, it looks really interesting. I think it's going to get a great message out there that needs to be shared. Um, I really love the idea that it's coming from his journals because I, I do think addicts are uh, so creative and intelligent, um, you know, and that journal is a place that, you know, while he was lying to everybody else, he wasn't lying to himself. And, and, um, I'm sure you're going to portray that and it's going to come across very well in the documentary. So,
0: Yeah. And what, what, you know, some of the people in his life discover sort of through this process of, of looking at his journals and, um, for, for the film production is that he wasn't lying about everything, you know, so much of what was going on with him was for real. Mm-hmm. And that, that initial kind of knee-jerk idea of of dismissing somebody because they're not truthful all the time, that that they didn't have to do that, that there was a lot of real Matt in in their experiences with him. And I think that that's been a big comfort.
2: And that's all the time we have for the show today. Molly Herman, thank you for joining us.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
2: And Jane, if you're still there, thank you for joining us.
3: Mm, Thank you very much.
2: And uh, what another great, fantastic show. I hope you guys all check out the documentary. That's all the time we have. Uh, Please join us next week. Um, Have a great week and enjoy life.
1: Thank you for listening to I Took the High Road. Please join Jacob Jansen for another encouraging hour next Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.